Chapter Two of Mildred and Elsie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Mildred and Elsie by Martha Finley. Chapter Two. Oh, my good Lord, the world is but a word. Were it all yours to give it in a breath, how quickly were it gone? Shakespeare. The end of the week found the Dinsmores and Mildred in Philadelphia, very busy with sightseeing and shopping. Each one of the party was to be furnished with a suitable outfit for fall and the coming winter, and Mildred had a long list of commissions from her mother. Mrs. Dinsmore showed herself keenly interested in the purchase of her own and her children's finery, languidly so in Mildred's. These procured, she immediately declared herself completely worn out, unfit for further exertion. No one regretted it. Mildred had learned to rely to a great extent upon her own taste and judgment, and with Mr. Dinmore's efficient help, succeeded quite to her satisfaction in filling out the remainder of her list. To him fell the task of buying for his little granddaughter, and Mildred was not a little gratified by being taken into his counsels and invited to assist his choice of materials and the fashion in which they should be made up. Spite of some drawbacks to her pleasure, principally caused by Mrs. Dinsmore's infirmities of temper, Mildred thoroughly enjoyed her stay in the city of brotherly love. It was drawing to a close when, on coming down from her room one morning, and entering the private parlour of their party, she was met by a joyous greeting from little Elsie. "'Oh, Cousin Milly, I'm so glad. Grandpa has got a letter from my papa, my papa says Elsie must go and buy some pretty presents for all the folks at your home. Isn't that ever so nice? Thank you, darling. You and your papa, Mildred said, stooping to caress the child. He is very kind, and I know your generous little heart can find no greater pleasure than in giving to others. She's a Dinsmore in that, her grandfather said with a proud smile. They have always esteemed it the greatest luxury wealth can purchase, and Elsie is fortunately abundantly able to gratify herself in that way, and her father has given her carte blanche, subject to my approval, of course. So, my dear, you are not to object to anything we may take it into our heads to do. He patted Elsie's curly pate as he spoke, and looked smilingly into Mildred's eyes. You're very kind now, and always, uncle, the young girl responded, returning his smile and blushing slightly and I don't know that I have a right to object to anything that is not done for myself. The entrance of Mrs. Dinsmore and her children simultaneously, with the bringing in that of breakfast, put a stop to the conversation. Well, Mildred, if it suits your convenience, we will set out at once upon this final shopping expedition, her uncle said as they left the table, and her consent being given, he directed Chloe to make Elsie ready to accompany them. The child was in her element as they went from one store to another, and she chose, with the assistance of her grandfather and cousin, her gifts to Mildred's parents, brothers and sisters. At length they entered the largest jewellery establishment in the city, and Mr. Dinsmore asked to be shown some of their best gold watches for ladies. "'I am commissioned to select one for a lady friend,' he said to Mildred, in a grave, half-preoccupied tone, as the jeweller promptly complied with his request, and I want your assistance in making a choice. But I'm no judge of a watch, uncle, 
she returned. Elsie here could select about as well as I. Elsie shall have her say about it too, Mr. Dinsmore said, looking smilingly from one to the other. All I want from either of you is an opinion in regard to the outside appearance, while this gentleman and I will judge of the quality of the works. They presently made a selection of both watch and chain, satisfactory to all parties. Elsie chose a plain gold ring for Mildred, and one for each of her sisters, and they left the store. Elsie whispered something to her grandfather as he took his seat beside her in the carriage. He shook his head. "'Wait till we get home,' he said rather curtly. "'We're going now to choose the new piano.' It was for the drawing-room at Roselands, and he took Mildred with him to try the instruments, and tell him which he thought the best and finest toned. Mildred was equally charmed with several, two in particular, and they had some little difficulty in fixing upon the one that should be ordered to Roselands. "'I will leave it undecided for to-day,' Mr. Dinsmore said at length, "'and will call again to-morrow.' On their way to the hotel, and when arrived there, little Elsie seemed all eagerness, yet kept it in check in obedience to an occasional warning look from her grandfather. Mildred went directly to her room to remove her bonnet and shawl, then sat down in a low chair by the window to rest and think, while awaiting the summons to dinner. She had scarcely done so when there was a gentle tap, as of baby fingers, at her door, and Elsie's sweet voice was heard asking, in eager, excited tones, for admittance. "'Yes, darling, come in,' Mildred answered, and the door flew open, and the child ran in, closely followed by her mammy. The small hands held a, a jewel-case, and the large, soft brown eyes were full of love and delight, as she hastened to place it in Mildred's lap, saying, "'It's for you, cousin. My papa said in his letter that Elsie might buy it for you.' She raised the lid. "'See, cousin Milly, see, aren't you so glad?' There lay the watch and chain they had helped Mr. Dinsmore select that morning. A watch was a far greater luxury in those days than it is now and this a costly and beautiful one. Mildred could scarcely believe the evidence of her senses. Surely it must all be a dream. She gazed at the child in dumb surprise. Elsie lifted her pretty present with dainty care, threw the chain around Mildred's neck, and slid the watch into the bosom of her dress, then stepping back a little to take a better view. "'See, Mammy, see!' she cried, clapping her hands and dancing up and down in delight. "'Doesn't it look pretty on cousin?' "'Just lovely, honey. Don't Miss Milly like it?' Aunt Chloe's look into Mildred's face was half reproachful, half entreating. Could it be possible that her darling's beautiful, costly gift was not appreciated? "'Like it!' cried Mildred, catching the child in her arms and covering the little face with kisses a tear or two mingled with them to the great wonderment of the little one like it oh it's only too lovely and expensive to be bestowed upon me sweet pet you should keep it for yourself cousin milly ought not to take it from you yes papa did say so in his letter grandpa read the words to elsie and when i's big enough i s have my mamma's watch but it costs so much murmured mildred half to herself and she drew out the watch and gazed at it with admiring eyes my child had plenty of money responded aunt chloe and houses and land and everything of this world's riches and she loves you miss milly and if you don't take that watch and chain she will most break her blessed little heart won't you honey the child nodded 
and the soft eyes gazing into mildred's filled with tears it was impossible to resist their eloquent pleading then cousin will accept it with her heartiest thanks and value it more for the sake of the dear little giver than for its usefulness its beauty or its cost mildred said taking elsie on her lap and holding her in a close loving embrace dear little girlie she murmured tenderly cousin will never intentionally rob you of the smallest pleasure or plant the least thorn in your path another light tap at the door and mr dinsmore joined them ah that's right he said with a smiling glance at the chain around mildred's neck uncle it's too much you should not have allowed it how could you mildred asked half reproachfully i only obeyed orders was his laughing rejoinder horace feels as i do also that we owe a debt of gratitude to your mother to say nothing of the affection we have for you all and he knows from the reports i have given him of his child that he could not afford her a greater gratification than the permission to do this besides you have been extremely kind to her and ought not to object to her making you some small return in the only way she can oh uncle her love and sweet caresses have more than recompensed the little i have been able to do for her the darling cried mildred heaping fresh caresses upon the little fair one mr lord called that afternoon to report himself as arrived in the city and to inquire if it were mildred's intention to accept his escort on the homeward journey his stay would necessarily be short not more than two or three days mildred met him with outstretched hand and eyes shining with pleasure she had been so long away from home was so hungry for a sight of anything connected with pleasant plains that she had unexpectedly encountered damarisk dry bread she would very probably have greeted her with something like affection she perceived no change in mr lord except that he had a new set of teeth he seemed to her in all other respects precisely what he was when she bade him good-bye a year ago but he was astonished bewildered delighted at the change in her he had always admired her fresh young beauty but it was as though the sweet bud had blossomed into the half-blown lovely rose with just a few of its petals still softly folded he blushed and stammered answered her eager inquiries about old friends and all that had been going on in pleasant plains since she left in the most absent-minded way and scarcely took his eyes from her face in short so conducted himself as to make his feelings toward her evident to the most careless observer mildred said mrs dinsmore when at last he had taken his departure for that day if i were your mother you should stay from home another year before i would trust you to travel with that man why aunt you can't think him anything but a good man exclaimed the girl in astonishment Humph! that's a question i don't pretend to decide but don't i beg of you let him persuade you on the way that it is your duty to marry him if he can only make you believe it's your duty you'll do it whether you want to or not mildred's cheek flushed hotly oh aunt dinsmore she cried he could never be so foolish why he's old enough to be my father and so wise and good and i but a silly young thing as unfit as possible for the duties and responsibilities of a minister's wife suggested mrs dinsmore as the young girl broke off in confusion well i don't know about that you are pious enough in all conscience but mildred you positively must reject him it would be a terribly hard life and aunt 
he has not offered and i believe i hope never will so i am not called upon to consider the question of acceptance or rejection that was very rude miss keith you are interrupting me in that way mrs dinsmore said half in displeasure half in sport well if you will allow me i shall finish what i had to say i have set my heart on seeing you and charlie landreth make a match there why do you colour so and turn your head away charlie likes you is in fact deeply in love i feel perfectly certain and doubtless will follow you before long you may take my word for it that he would have proposed before we left the springs if it hadn't been for that sudden summons to his dying sister mildred made no reply she had kept her face studiously averted was glad that the entrance at that moment of a servant with a letter for mrs dinsmore gave her an opportunity to escape from the room End of chapter 2